This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Everyone, welcome. If you're listening in your car, in your cubicle, this is another episode of On the Bench for blah, 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 presented by Knowles 24-7. I just had a minor stroke, but I am your host today. I'm Trey Roll, and I am joined by my illustrious colleagues, Knowles 24-7's own uh, Brendan Sinone and the Mid-Atlantic Chicken Association Grower of the Year for 2023, oh, Coach AB. just told me before we recorded, and of course, oh. I let the chicken out of the coop. Guys, I'm excited. I haven't done it. It's been a while since I've done a pod. It's been a while since I've done the most important players, and I've never done it with a poultry man quite as distinguished as yourself, Adam. Take a bow. Yeah, there will be no bows. I'm more interested in talking about how so far in these rankings, I am clearly the supreme ranker. Mm, nice deflection oh, deflection worthy of an award-winning chicken man well listen guys i cannot wait to get into this if you're listening thank you on the audio feed if you're watching on the Knowles 24 7 youtube you get to see our bright and bushy-tailed faces we appreciate that subscribe to both five stars like tell your friends tell your enemies all good listen let's get out of the way we're going to go through the most important players list i can't wait i thought the last uh, last episode was a rousing success there was some good discussion a little bit of friction, which I like. I think Ooh. makes for good radio. I can't wait to see what we have here. We're going through players 30 through 21, I believe. Before we do that, housekeeping. We are brought to you by the finest brown liquid that you can wrap your lips around. That is right. I am talking about Chattanooga Whiskey. <laughs> Brennan is holding up that beautiful single barrel right now. Listen, guys. Jack Daniels sucks. Four <laughs> Roses is overrated. Pappy Van Stinkle, who cares? I like my whiskey from Chattanooga specifically because, my God, that is some good hooch. They've got your regular. They've got your 111, the Chris Knee Drunk Dad Special. They've got all these funny scientific concoctions. It rules. It's the best. And if you're a Florida State fan, the only thing you're blacking out on is Chattanooga whiskey. JK, drink responsibly. Also, if you get a little boozed up and you want to sell your house, I would go to the Turner Group. That would be my suggestion. Listen, they're a husband and wife team. They own the state of Florida, like Florida State in the 90s. They rule. You're buying, call the Turners. You're selling, call the Turners. If you got a little brat going up to Florida State, going to Tallahassee, and the rent prices are just bananas, go to the Turner Group, and they'll say, hey, rent's for nerds. Go up there and buy a house, and you make profit while your kids are up there getting the highest of high educations. The Turner Group, call them. I believe their names are Colin and Amy, right? Correct. Just just mm, mentions, just wonderful people in the real estate game. Do not trust the most important decision of your life with anyone else. Call the Ooh. Turner Group. They rule. Drink Chattanooga whiskey. It's the best. Okay. <laughs> Solid. Renting sucks. I think we got a new motto for the Turner Group. We're gonna let renting them, sucks. Yeah, listen, guys, follow on Instagram. They're a great follow on Instagram. They post a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, listen, chicken boy and social media influencer Coach AB says so. Guys, let's get into the list. I think you guys you guys foreshadowed this on the last episode. 
I think this is where you start to get into the meat of the discussion. Um, this is where you start to have some nice wild variances. What really shines out is the talent to me. Did, did you agree with that when you were ranking the list, Brendan? Like, I thought this was a very interesting range, especially when you compare it to last year and the year before. Yeah, definitely. This was the most, this whole process, Trey, was illuminating to me in that like, oh, this roster feels pretty complete right now. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and where it really shines is the depth. So as we get to like the 30 to 21 range, uh, we kind of touched on this last week. Like that is, uh, that's basically like your, your low end starters to high end backups. And because of, because of that, like you would think, oh, someone in the thirties isn't super important, but then you're looking through and you're like, oh, there might be a starting defense alignment here or a starting cornerback or a starting uh, offense alignment, like guys that are playing premium positions. Uh, that are that are in the 20s to 30s and I think that is reflective of the depth of the development of the roster uh, and really it's a big reason why people are so excited and, and bullish on Florida State this season is because you have proven commodities for the most part uh, that are representing really high-end depth on the roster like we're not even talking about the NFL caliber guys at this point we're talking about multi-year starters that are being placed in the 20 and 30 range uh, it, it is a positive sign, I think, of like where the program is is headed. And again, points to optimism coming up in 2023. I agree. And the thing that's so interesting about this, Florida State's transfer portal hall, particularly last year's, was lauded as, in my opinion, I think for quality's sake, the best in the nation. We were excited about a lot of those guys. A lot of those dudes that were at the top of the transfer cycle this year are in the 21 to 30 range of Florida mm -hmm. State's roster. Three years ago, these guys would have been surefire number ones at the top of the depth chart. It really goes to show you just the absolute work that Dirty Mike and the boys have done just upgrading this roster. Adam, what about you? I mean, you, you put a lot of emphasis uh, in the last episode. You're a big Guys that affect the game, game changers, explosion, pass rushers, things like that. Do you see Florida State having um a like just a wealth of those guys in this range of the uh in this range of the roster? Yeah, I do. And we're gonna get to one in a little bit that I left unranked, and Brendan and I are going to duel to the finish on over. Um, I found myself, I'm looking like I went back and looked at my rankings, and I really found myself re reaching or gravitating towards the offensive line group in this in this section Surprise. i don't know why that was mm. i don't know why that was but i found myself just kind of gravitating towards those guys that this is kind of where i felt like this is where they really kind of fit in on this uh on this important players ranking um you know you'll see a darius washington here i felt like this was a great spot for him this this was the area where i think brendan put it best you're your low-end starter, your high-end backups really fit in nicely here, trickling in with you know maybe a guy that you feel like is going to break out this year uh, or break back out, uh, as we'll get to at number 30 for me, with Dennis Briggs. Um, yeah, I'd, this was this was an interesting group. This was an inter inter interesting group of players because you got a you got a mixed bag here. You know, Demetri Emanuel at 21 is a guy that uh, you, you know likely starter. Lawrence Tolfilia. Ah, don't go through them all. The audio no, people don't do know. It, do the it, audio people do. don't know. It's right there on the screen. They can see. Not the audio. Uh, audio oh, watching. They know the guy. Listen. Also, you can check it all out on Knowles247.com. And we have a 60% yeah. off promo for the for an annual subscription going for the next like week and a half what? or so. So, so another sale. Yeah. That's incredible. That's, That's an insane. amazing deal. It's That's a book. Insane. 
It's not. It's more than a buck. It's more than a buck too. It's it's worth way more than a buck. So whatever the price is, you're still getting a heck of a bargain. Anyway, let's start at number thirty. Give me the we're looking list. At, we're looking at Dennis Briggs. Uh, he's number 30. I, I feel the rankings on him were a little clustered outside of mine. I was a little low on him. I'll, I'll explain that with my methodology. Dane was the lowest, had him at 22. Um, I was the highest. I had him unranked. I'll explain why. Um, and then Brendan had him 35, Kevin 23, Adam 28, uh, Zach 34, and Chris had him at 26. So Adam and Chris were the highest on him. So my methodology behind this, because I wasn't on the um, I wasn't on the initial episode. I went with a combination of talent and then in the same way, like positional importance, like how you would see like in the NFL draft, there are a number of positions that are considered more valuable than others, right? Quarterback, defensive end, left tackle, wide receiver, things of that nature. So that's how I kind of used mine. Unfortunately for a guy named Dennis, like Dennis Briggs, when it comes to most important depth actually hurt him because in my opinion, if a guy like Dennis Briggs went down, like, if it was at a different position, let's just say there was a guy of Dennis Briggs talent at linebacker and he went down, that would make him more important to me because he's more irreplaceable. Right. So it's not so much that I don't like that. I'm not into the talent of Dennis Briggs, especially having that pass rushing component. I do think he's been kind of lackluster to be honest with you the past like season ish from what we saw. I don't, I I watched the film with you and Adam, uh, you and Kevin, Adam. I I didn't, I don't remember a lot of games where he really took Mm -hmm. over and kind of seized it. Now, a lot of it, I think he was dealing with some injuries and things of that nature, but that's why I had him at 45, just in the defensive tackle rotation. And he could make me look like a fool. If he went down, there's so many things behind him and there's just enough guys in front of him to where this is where I, I left him off of my list. Well, I'm going to say, it was last year a good year for him? No. Oklahoma, he started to bounce back and That's show fair. signs yeah. of the previous year's player. Those first, I think it was three games in 21, he was hands down the best pass rusher on his football team. Um, and that was, in my opinion, in my opinion, he was. And that was including Jermaine Johnson on that on that roster. I thought he was by far the best pass rusher on that football team. It the was first three games? Yeah. Okay. It was before, sh- the, before the Louisville. Uh, cheap yeah. Shot. Before he got cheap shotted. It's a shame. That, it's a shame that he had to get hurt. It's a shame that that happened. Uh, I'm hoping my ranking is reflecting some of what I'm hoping he's going to get back to. I think he's a top tier pass rusher. They're going to be in a lot of games where they need pass rush. You're going to need a good pass rush against a Jaden Daniels, against a Cade Klubnik. You're going to need those guys to pin your ears back and go after the quarterback. That's why I found myself grab, you know, kind of pushing him up a little bit because I think you're going to see some pass rush packages with maybe Fabian Lovett off the field and Dennis Briggs and Braden Fisk lined up next to each other. They could get pretty spicy. So well, fair to call this like an upside play. Yeah, it is for me. It is for me. What do you think, Brennan? You largely agree with what Adam's saying? I mean, I'm kind of in between the two of you guys for a ranking, so I kind of agree with both of you. Oh, um, <laughs> so I know that makes for good radio, right? Um what stands out to me about Briggs, and and I think to your point, Trey, like the depth of defensive tackle is on paper uh, really high end, maybe the highest on the roster, maybe one of the higher ones in the country. Um, so if you lost Dennis Briggs from a down to down basis, like you, he's not important, well, not hugely important in that regard. Like you can, you can, I yeah. think, adequately replace him. But what he does at a really high level, and this is to AB's point 
is get to the quarterback. And in addition to having to go through the injury in 2021 and kind of Mm -hmm. still working through that last year, and then don't forget a position change that was not well suited for him in hindsight uh, at defensive end, and they moved him back to defensive tackle. Uh, he ended up becoming like a really good pass rusher from, from like a metric standpoint last year. I think he was like in the 91st percentile uh, or somewhere like 90 to 92 range for pass rush production among interior linemen on passing down. So basically when they said, Hey, it's third and long, we're going to put you at interior defensive line, let you pin your ears back, go get the quarterback. He did that at a really high level. Uh, so what he does, it's kind of niche, but it's a really important thing, which is to get uh-huh. to the quarterback. So to me, I have him at, what was it, at 35? And uh-huh. that's because he's he's a luxury piece is the best way I can describe it. He's someone that you can rotate in as a, uh, as a rotational guy, uh, but you have a very defined role for him when it matters on passing downs and him, Braden Fisk on the field at the same time. Some other options, so if you have like a Daryl Jackson, you can get really creative. Right. Dennis Woods is part mm-hmm. of that. So he's someone that helps yeah. elevate you. Uh, if we're talking about this defense taking the jump to be like a top 20 to top 10 status, uh, he's someone who's a nice piece in that rotation, but I don't know if he's essential for it, if that makes sense. I got you. Kind of like could be a guy that gets totally lost in the shuffle, could be a guy that ascends, and if he does with that skill set, if he's able to make noise in that defensive tackle room – it would be it would be a ceiling raiser for the entire team. It makes mm-hmm. it even, an even more difficult defense. And I think the next guy, number twenty nine, is kind of interesting because I feel like he's the same. I feel like he's kind of the Dennis Briggs of the offensive group to me. Kyle Morlock. He's a guy that the physical attributes. I mean, the amount of attention he got coming from shorter college. The physical attributes are really really enticing. He was a guy that Brendan got a decent amount of flack for, you know, reporting the truth, saying that there was a transition period, duh, from shorter to Florida State, right? But he was a guy that seemed to acclimate himself more as the season, uh, as the spring went on. And he's a guy that you know Mike Norvell really wants to use in a tight end heavy offense. As far as his ranking overall, we have him 29th. Kevin was the lowest on him at 39. Adam, you were the highest on him at 23, and then Brendan, you were 26. Zach was 29. Nee was 27. Dane was 31. I had him at 37, too. I actually think in terms of playing time, I think Markinson Douglas is going to be on the field more than Kyle Morlock, at least at the beginning of the season. That's what I think. Now, towards the end of the season, once he gets really comfortable being a threat in the passing game, being a multifaceted threat, um, that could change, but I just – as far as like playing time being the third tight end and, and maybe I should have made his positional value a little bit more just because of the way that Florida state values that position. I could look like an idiot here in a little bit, but Adam, I guess, yeah. Tell me why I'm stupid, Adam. Um, man, I don't think you're stupid. I I, I think Thanks. you could, That's I nice. think you could jumble Morlock and uh biscuit in that 25. And I, and I ranked Morlock at 23 and I'll give my reasons, but I think you can, put them in that 25 to 40 range and feel comfortable with the, with them in there. Um, I don't think there's a big difference really between 25 and 40 because of how good this roster has gotten um, as far as significant. So <clears throat> I ranked Morlock where I did because of his red zone capabilities. Oh. Six, 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 seven uh, football player. There's going to be a lot of attention paid on the outside to a Keon Coleman and, and a Johnny Wilson. The running game is what it is, and we know what Jordan Travis is. I think a six-size body in the middle of the field down in the red zone is extremely valuable. 
And we know last year and, and in Mike Norvell's tenure at Florida State, they've had red zone troubles. So that's why I was aggressive with his ranking because I think he's a red zone factor for them. Maybe not game one, but at some point when they need him this season, you know, or as the season goes, goes along, I think he becomes a bigger deal down there for them. And I think that that's important because it's, that's an area where this offense needs to take the next step. I agree. And that's actually, I don't know. It makes me kind of double take up what I thought because what Florida state needs in the red zone based off last year, they need an improved offensive line, but they need like a dirty little touchdown vulture, right? Like a guy's in a nice little <laughs> matchup problem because they had to, they had to scheme and, pitch and toss and end around every way that they could. You know what I mean? Like it was a struggle once they got inside, even like the five yard line. So I, I like that. I like that assessment. Brendan, you got to see Kyle with your eyes a lot. Was there a decent progression throughout spring? When do you think his impact will be? Will he be like a, like a game one against LSU impact guy? What do you think? Yeah. I'm, he still has so much room to grow both in a positive way. And, and I guess you could say a negative way. Um, this off season. And I guess from like the negative perspective, it's like he, he's still transitioning from division two shorter. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is still a, a process for him, but the upside, the positive part of it is that there's still so much untapped potential physically. Um, I like the way he moves like at his size at six foot six and a premium frame, his, his foot speed stood out a ton during spring practice. So you watch him move, it looked a little different than anything else they, mm-hmm. they have at tight end and that they've had at tight end recently. Uh, and you saw big, soft hands. Like he, he has a lot of like prototypical tight end skills. And one piece of information I think is, is worth relaying is FSU's coaching staff put a ton on him schematically like they want to see what he can do and so they try Mm, to put him all over the place to make him uncomfortable uh but to see what he could do well and so now you're going to see them this off season this is like this we don't know what it's going to entirely look like kind of narrow into like okay this is what he's going to do well this year this is what we're going to emphasize for him um so he's going to factor in as your third tight end maybe your second tight end heck maybe even your starting tight end in your most like traditional sense if you're moving jaheem bell all over the place Mm -hmm. Uh, that that's if you can hear it, Dane Draper's heart beating quickly as he's thinking about Kyle Morlock taking tight end one snaps. Why you put him at thirty one? That's not consistent with with what he uh, said earlier. This off that's a coward move. <laughs> uh, Dane's yeah. never really been the uh, paragon of consistency. I love the guy, and I hosted a show with him. But my goodness, my 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 cat, he's all over the place. Love him to death. My just a uh, unique unique individual. I Dane just think rules. it's important to go back and reflect that. This roster's changed so much that this whole area, you could really swap a lot of these guys around and be okay. Like, yeah. you can make a case for so many of these guys, even from our, our, you know, a couple of our leftovers of the 45s, being up here. I mean, the you could 45. make a case for some of those guys to be up here. Yeah, you're going to have to make you, a case here in a second, wrong. big guy. Yeah, I'm here for it. You're going to have to make a I've case here I've got my case pulled up right here. All right, side. well, you're going to wait. I'm going to let you stew a little bit. Number 28, we've got Lawrence Toafili. Kevin had him at 24, Sinone 27. Adam, we'll talk about it in a second. Zach, 25. I had him at 30, so I was the second lowest. Chris had him at 28. My reason being, I think that the, the feature backs of this offense are going to be Trey Benson, and I had Rodney Hill higher than Lawrence Toafili. I think it's going to be a Rodney Hill breakout year, and I think that he's going to help you more in that traditional sense. 
I think Toffoli going to be on the field a lot. He thrives in that tailback role. He was the starting tailback on that, on that depth chart for pretty much the entire year. I thought that he was used creatively a lot in the slot. I think he's got a very, he's got a very, he's got a very unique skill set that Mike likes and he's gotten better every single year. Now, is this a guy who's in danger of as these guys, these slot guys, Winston Wright, Ja'Kai Douglas getting healthy, Jaheim Bell, does Lawrence Toafili's usage go down? I don't know. But, man, his potential is through the roof, as we know from that play against Clemson. Brendan, what do you think about Lawrence before we get to Adams? Because Adam had him unranked. He had him at, like, 45, right? He had him unranked. Brendan, what do you like about Lawrence Toafili? But, and what are you expecting out of him next year in a more crowded offense? It is interesting looking at the rankings, Trey. I, the variance is actually pretty low aside from the one outlier, which is AB, between 24 and 30. So we're all kind of thinking of him in a similar, like not a starter necessarily, but a really valuable high-end backup. And, and like that's how mm-hmm. I, I view him. Now, he did start six games last season. So that's going to undercut AB's point a little bit. Like he was a starter for half the season. Oh, he came with facts, Adam. <laughs> what what I like about Lawrence Philly, and like there there's some people like it – there are other media outlets who speak about him more glowingly than, than what we do. And and I think he's a very useful piece in this offense. Mike Norvell loves getting creative, and he allows Mike Norvell to be creative, to unleash uh, the ability to go up-tempo and to have him in the backfield one play, have him out wide the next, have him in the slot the next. Like He uses Lawrence Toffoli in a variety of ways, and Lawrence is really effective at that too, especially like as a receiving threat. I think he, he's been – I got it in front of me here in the last – Three seasons, he's been 35th or better among running backs in yards per reception. Uh, and that includes being in the top 20 last year. He's gotten better year over year at it. So he he has a role that is extremely defined. And that's as that gadget type of role. It's a, it's a defined, undefined role, right? Because he could do a little bit of everything. Right. Um, but it's super useful because Mike Norvell loves that type of play. Like that's an MO of his. Uh, going back to like his Arizona State days. He, he likes guys who do a little bit of everything and likes to sprinkle them in and use them as supplementary pieces. For me, and I, I want to get ahead of 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 AB's point here, I'm going to like, uh, I'm going to Kate Mile it. I'm hey, gonna... be, be rabbiting him hard right now. This is this is almost <laughs> unkind. Go ahead. Uh, the, the one knock on him is like, there's a cap to what I think he would do uh, from like, say Trey Benson got hurt. I'm with you, Trey. Like, I think, I think you probably go with Rodney Hill more in the traditional running back sense. Uh, why AB is wrong, though, is because there will be a role for Lawrence Philly no matter what, because we've seen that role only further enhance year over year. Even if Gene Bell becomes like a slot gadgety type in his own right, Mike Norvell is going to use multiple gadgety guys because he likes doing it. Uh, and, and here's the main thing. No one replicates what Lawrence Toafili does. He is extremely unique on this roster. There is no one else who is about 60% running back, 40% slot receiver from a skill set perspective. So if you find that valuable, which, spoiler alert, the head coach does immensely, uh, then you're going to probably rank him in this like range. So AB being the outlier, I'm curious as the logic here. For someone who likes Dennis Briggs, who's also a gadgety defensive player, uh, then not liking Lawrence Toffoli a ton is a little head-scratching, confusing. Oh, he's accusing you of logical inconsistency. I'm I, I, I'm interested to hear what Adam's going to say because I do think, like, you, your point's valid. If Trey Benson gets hurt, I still think Toffoli's the other running back. Like, I, I, I find Rodney Hill to be more valuable than him on this team, but 
he does have a role that he's defined for himself based on his explosion, things like that. Adam, Brendan said a lot of things. Now you get to say something. A lot of words. A lot of words. <laughs> he doesn't have a role. I mean, that, that's really the bottom line. It's nice to say that he's a gadget player and all this th- and all this. I'm gonna I'm gonna list you the I'm gonna list you the, the offense. Trey Benson, Rodney Hill, the three tight ends, the two wide receivers. Where, where where's Lawrence Tolefilly fit in this? Where where's he slotting in that offense? Are you taking Keon Coleman off the field for Lawrence Tolefilly? Are you taking Jaheim Bell off the field for Lawrence Tolefilly? How about Johnny Wilson? How about Trey Benson coming off for him? So I, I just don't. You think it's he's nice like the, to say that Mike's always loved all these gadget guys. Well, Mike hasn't had this offense this loaded. So yes, he's lo- he has loved them. He's loved them because he's had to have it to cr- try to create an offense. He doesn't need that anymore. He's got a six four monster and a six seven monster out wide. You don't need Lawrence Tolfeely. Now you've got Jaheim Bell sl- running around. There's your gadget guy. There's your gadget player. There's a 6'4 tight end who can run just as well as Lawrence Tolfeely can. So you I think- just don't I just don't see where he I just don't see where he fits in this offense anymore. I'm sure he's gonna have a role. You know what role he's always had in the past? When they get up really big, then he finds a way to get on the field. All right. All right. Oh All right. my goodness. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let's look at last year. Clemson, he had eleven carries for sixty-eight yards. Georgia Tech, 13 for 70. Miami, 14 for 52. NC State, 10 for 22. He had the th- he had 13 for 101 against Duquesne, then four for nine, four carries for nine yards against LSU, six for 20 against Louisville, four for 12 against BC, five for 13 against Wake. No catches against Wake, no catches against BC. I, he's is just it, too hit and, hit and miss for me. Is it possible that he got better as the year went on? I mean, so the last four games, he went four for nine, four for 46 against UL, four for 25 against Florida, one for 10 against Oklahoma, and one catch for two, two yards against Oklahoma. So those were all the, you were reading all the reception of, numbers. He had a stretch of four yeah. games in the middle of the season were there where he had some production, two of which were massive blowouts. Clemson being the outlier where he was productive against them. He, he had massive, he had good production in two really big blowouts. Other than that, it just, I mean, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, he's a nice player. I'm not saying he won't play. I'm not saying he won't, he won't have a couple big plays in the passing game. I just, he doesn't fit in my offense and, and, and that's my bias and I could be very wrong. I just think people have talked really highly of him. He's not, a, he's not been a great running back yet. He's been an effective pass catcher so far. But where does that fit in now? Because I don't see Coleman, Wilson, Bell, Morlock, Biscuit. I, I, those guys just aren't coming off the field. Uh, so I, me personally, I just don't see where he fits. I'm not saying he won't have a, a role. He obviously will have a role because Mike does value these things. But I just don't see it being a significant one. Yeah, kind of a man without a country. To me, I, I think – We'll see if your points, which I think are very valid, especially with the upgrade of options now to maybe be put into that Lawrence Toafili position. The one thing that he's got, at least at the beginning of the year, is the experience in that Mike Norvell offense. A lot of the guys you listed, this is year one for them. 
and Coleman didn't even have the springs. But we'll see. I'm inter- I'm interested to see how that is. Lawrence Toffoli, a man without a country, or is he a guy that has d- developed a role in Mike Norvell's offense? Has he developed trust to where he is going to be utilized even when those options are available? Which is very much, see. which is very much to Brendan's point. There, there is a comfort level there. Yeah, comfort Good between point. Mike and Lawrence and the offensive staff and Lawrence Tolfili to to think there's reasons for him to be where you guys ranked him. I just don't see it. I, and, that's, I do, and that's me. That's my bias. I'm I, more than willing to stand on that. I do worry about one of my points earlier, and and I do stand by it. Is like that there aren't many guys who can replicate. Or if any, replicate what Lawrence Toffoli does, even if it is a very specific role. Uh, Jaheim Bell has the potential to be a bigger version of Lawrence Toffoli. Right. Uh, reverse it to where he's receiving more than he is rushing, but like you can use him in a variety of ways. And right. part of that would be in the slot, potentially in the backfield, like we saw at South Carolina last year. So uh, well, th- there is a chance that LT gets boxed out a little bit uh, with the emergence and addition of someone like Jaheim Bell. Um, but even then, like, I just, I know Mike Norvell thinks so highly of Lawrence Toffoli that I struggle to envision something like he had about 350 snaps, maybe a little bit more than that last year. I don't foresee it going backwards this year. I, I, I just don't. Just you, you think three, you think more than 350 this year, even with all those guys that they were added. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it'll be right around there again. I think they'll find ways to get him involved. Is I'm gonna, it- I'm going to take just, the under on that, I think. Look, I just don't know if the impact's going to be there enough to say, I mean, Greedy Vance could be your starting nickel. Kyle Morlock, you you just said might be your starting tight end. He could be tight end one. I, I just or, have a hard time. Right, maybe, or tight end three. Yeah, yeah or I tight could, end three. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why I, I feel I like probably, I feel like Lawrence is safer. The uh, problem for the problem for the ranking is he's 45. Like, realistically, he, w- he was 41 for me. Like right. I, if I had to rank him, he would okay. I was going to ask that, right? Yeah, he, yeah, would for, he would have been the next one. Should I maybe Jeff put him in probably forties or guys up to forty, and then it just cuts yeah. it off. So anyone yeah. who's not ranked gets a forty-five, basically. So he barely missed your cutoff, Adam. Yeah, based he, on, and, he was yeah. he was next in line, and maybe and perhaps I should have put him over like a biscuit or somebody like that. I just I also know how much Mike values tight ends, and biscuit could be the starter in the beginning of the season at tight end. So it was. It was really hard for me at that one. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm curious to see where he's at. At 350 snaps, is the production going to be there? Um, yeah, I mean, he has made an impact when he's played. I would argue that the impact has been in some blowouts, and I think that that skews his numbers a little bit. He's a good player. Let me ask you this, Brendan. Say Trey Benson gets hurt. Say Rodney Hill is going, but they've got to give him a breather. Is C.J. Campbell the next one to touch the ball in a traditional running back role, or is no, it Lawrence Tofilly? I, I think it would be Tofilly because he was getting more comfortable running between the tackles as the year went on. And some of that, to your point, like A.B. was in garbage time. He he did touch the ball a lot more when the team was winning than, than when the team was tied or losing. Like that, That is a fact. Um, but he was getting better at it and more comfortable, and I thought we saw that continue in the spring, which I – tend to value what I saw most recently mm-hmm. sure. uh, as the, as the most substantial sample size. So end of year progressing well, spring progressing well, I, I think he's going to be a more of a routine factor rushing the ball in general, yeah. Uh, yeah. even in the pecking order of, 
of like, yeah, I don't think they would, I don't think they would leapfrog him to go to CJ Campbell or Kaziah Holmes or someone like that. I, I think Lawrence would probably. And I really, I really like Lawrence Tolfield as a football player. It's just, he just, I just don't see the fit. That's all. And once again, a consequence of a much more talented offense. Yeah, I mean, It'll be interesting to see. I do think on film, I do think he looked more comfortable running between the tackles. So I, I think that's a good one to watch. Healthy discussion. Nice, respectful, good dialogue. <laughs> Audio gold. Anyway, oh, 20, 27, Greedy Vance. This one's interesting to me because I never thought with the physical limitations, and I say that with a whole lot of love because I love the scrappiness that he plays with, this kid has gotten better. Much better, I feel like, since he got to school. A lot of people questioning his him as a take at all when he came from Louisville, right? A guy that had, had gotten picked on because of his size. And I really think mm-hmm. the way that he plays, technique, aggression, intensity, he could be your starting nickel. And that's one of the biggest questions on the team. Who is going to be that nickel? Is it going to be Greedy Vance? Is it going to be a guy that we're going to talk about later in uh, Jerry and Jones? Who is going to step up in that position? Because with the amount of spread offenses that you play in modern college football and Florida State's prevalence of going in two linebacker sets, the nickel, you got to be able to do a lot with the position and it's got to be really competent because Florida State in years past has gotten smoked by slot receivers. I'm thinking of the guy from NC State, the little like lacrosse looking dude, yeah. um, the little like Patriot light, like Thayer, Tom- that's his name, Thayer, Thayer Thomas. Thomas. I'm like, yeah, some like frat shag name. <laughs> Those guys used to eat Florida State alive. So we had them, I think Kevin had them in the highest at 22 along with Adam. So tied there. So you guys, I mean, th- I think that's honestly a product to watch in film. I had him at 25. Brendan had him at 33. Zach, 32. Christy, 29. Uh, Dane, 30. So not a, not a huge level of variation. But the three of us, Adam, Kevin, and myself, are really mm-hmm. high on him. Uh, Adam, I'm going to let you go first. Why? Okay. What have you seen in the progression of Greedy Vance? And do you think, is he your odds-on favorite to be the nickel uh, game one? Being biased towards what happened in spring? Yeah, I think so. Um, and maybe unfairly judging Kevin Knowles' performance last year. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think you probably are looking at Greedy Vance starting in that nickel role. And I know based on so many of the practice reports that Brendan wrote up after uh, after all the spring practices, I mean, he was – I'm shocked he didn't have him higher. Um, I'm shocked he ranked him at 33 because he was pretty, pretty glowing about uh, Vance's performance this spring. And you factor that he's likely going to be a guy that starts at that nickel role and how vital that is in this defense. Um, it just made sense for me at 22 because I think he's one of your I think he's one of your starting 22 when 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 the game kicks off. What, what do you what do you think, Brennan? Do you think that he's got the inside lane to be in the start nickel? Do you think the progressions he's made with comfort in the defense technique? Is that enough to overcome the physical limitations against teams like LSU and Clemson? Or why'd you rank him just slightly lower than Adam, Kevin, and myself? The great thing about like his strength of of being super scrappy and competitive is that it gets better with the more confidence that you build and him being in the system now for a full year. And we got to see it at the end of last season where he played really good football and he carried that into the spring. You guys noticing the theme like that that is happening Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Uh, with mm-hmm. this program, which is encouraging. Um, so anyways, like what he does well gets enhanced as he gets more confident. And so like, I understand guys being bullish on him. Like I thought, 
I was going to maybe be high on him in, in the early thirties. Um, and it turns out I ended up being the lowest on him. And that was, that was after a really good spring from greedy and really ultimately like for me, Trey is like, I don't, I don't know for sure if he ends up being the starting nickel. I, I think Kevin Knowles and I didn't rank Kevin Knowles just cause I don't know how he's going to look coming back from the shoulder injury. Sure. But I know that the shoulder injury impacted him last season and I know they like Kevin Knowles. So like, that could be a coin flip depending on the information. We're doing this list. We're recording this in early June. We do these yeah. lists, start writing them like in late May. I don't know. Um, and further, like as they start looking at the idea of, of maybe going with a bigger nickel, sometimes like if you have a have a nickel like Jarian Jones in there or Renardo Green or Fentral Cypress, whoever it is, I'm not sure Greedy is your top three corners like from a talent perspective. I think he's probably fourth or fifth, which isn't a bad thing. Like you can you can – play greedy Vance multiple series a game at this point, I think feel good about it. I just yeah. think there's a few guys at the position who have more upside, who have more versatility, although greedy can play inside and outside. I just, yeah, I, I didn't feel comfortable of saying, I think he's going to be a starter from an important standpoint, which if he'd gotten a whole lot uh, higher up the list for me, uh, that, that would have been the range he was in. I just wasn't quite ready to, to make that, that leap yet. I think that's fair. And if if that kid continues in ascension with the infusion of talent that they've had, both recruiting kids like AZ Thomas and bringing in other talented cornerbacks like Fentrell Cypress, if Vance can still carve out his niche and get that playing time on the field, even with how like his diminutive size, man, all power to the kid, dude. I've I've loved watching him on film. And I feel there's a level, even though he's a smaller guy, there's a level of comfort when he's out there and competence, which with the talent on this defensive line, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with having just some, just some regular old nice competence in the backfield. You know what I mean? Nothing flashy, just not going to get smoked over the top. Now let's talk about number 26. This is an interesting one. And I'll kind of say my rationale on him first. And this is South Carolina transfer defensive end Gilbert Edmond. We have him at 26. Kevin uh, had him at 33. Chris Knee a little bit behind him at 36. Brendan, 29. Adam, the highest at 20. Zach had him at 26. Dane also had him at 26. So in my opinion, I ranked him at 23. I don't, I don't even, I'm, I'm not even confident. And I'll even say, I don't think he's the 23rd best player on this roster. I do not. I have seen some of the film on him. And while there are tools to work with, I think it was a good take from the portal. I wasn't blown away. I'm still not 100% comfortable with the edge like rotation. Top two guys, no problem, rock solid. I think he's the 23rd most important player because he needs to pan out. Florida State did, I still think, if there would have been an edge that they could have like had a talent upgrade and that was attainable, they would have went for him. They would have went for him in the portal. So he's 23rd because he needs to work out. And that's even just without considering like an injury to one of the starting two he needs to work out just from a depth perspective because while you can get creative with guys like dennis briggs and Braden fist playing them the outside you get some fun packages like three three down packages and things like that you can get exotic now adam fuller can he can just like let his like let his little inner peacock out and just like flash his feathers and just go crazy especially now that people are counting my counting my my guy from mass out he's got to pan out man it's important so i put him as the 23rd most important because it is imperative that he is a solid player, and it's almost imperative that he's above average to good. Um, Brendan, what do you think? 
I think this is another indication of how far the roster has come. Trey, you, you are justifying putting a guy who started every single game last season at South Carolina. Ah, fair, fair. You're, yep. you're justified yep. him being a high-end backup. <laughs> like you're having to explain it. So uh, like, of course he's important. Like he, he is your third defensive end. Mm-hmm. It is a premium position. You mentioned that at the very beginning of the show is, is positional value was taken into account. Um, yeah, you, he's going to play a lot this year. They want to have at least four or five defensive ends in the rotation there, even if they go with a big lineup to put Dennis Briggs or or uh, Daniel Lyons or Braden Fisk outside. You still need Gilbert Edmond to play a healthy amount of snaps for you and for you to play well. Uh, he is, to be fair, like a guy that is a two-year project, for lack of a better phrase. Like He is, he is someone that they, they valued him in the transfer portal over someone like I love Byron Vaughn's out of Utah State who ended up at Baylor. Dave Aranda may know something about defensive end play, mm-hmm. um, but Byron Vaughn's was a one-year guy and a very special, like specific, like pass rushing type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. you, you take Gilbert Edmond because of him potentially becoming a full-time starter in 2024. He has the frame. He's still ascending as a developmental prospect. Remember he was like 210 pounds out of high school. So he's, he's added a lot of good weight and he's still developing into himself. So I was similar, like in the same range as you, Trey. Like I think, I think twenty three for you is fair. I had twenty nine, uh, AB at twenty, like maybe a tad high, but it's not crazy. Even Kev at thirty three, like I would understand why he has him as a mid tier uh, backup or mid tier on the on the on the two deep. So like, yeah, there's a lot of variance there based on him not setting the world on fire this spring. He was fine, uh, but yeah, he's he needs to be at least competent. I'm totally in agreement with you there, man. Like he has to be decent for them to have a good defense this season. Well said. Adam, anything to add on the – No, the no. Player? Yeah, I think – I, I have him yeah. at 20 merely because I saw him play really well against Clemson last year, and that just bumped me up a couple spots. I probably would have been around 23. But the number three defense is, is extremely important in any in any defense. or The number three defensive end, sorry, is extremely important in any defense, and you're going to need to get Verston Payton off the field. Um Somebody's going to have to play a lot of snaps. Uh, so it makes sense to, for him to just be higher up just because of how crucial that spot's going to be this year for them. Yeah, I agree with that. And the next guy, let's talk about Tate Rotomaker at 25. In my opinion, this is the spot for like the backup quarterback. I mean, it, he becomes, he's not important at all if Travis is healthy whole, the whole year. He becomes immensely important once yeah. Jordan goes out of the game with injury, like we saw against Louisville. Now, the thing that the reason why Tate's ranked 25 this year and he would have been unranked or at like 39 last year is because he did show you that he had the ability to win a game. He was a really nice change of pace against Louisville. The way that they were running that RPO stuff, he was picking Mm -hmm. them apart. And people don't realize that before Tate went in, Florida State's offense looked pretty sluggish against Louisville with Jordan Travis. Mm -hmm. So he does have a skill set and the comfortability to win you a game. But, I mean, Kevin had him at – the the other stories that Kevin didn't have him at eight or something (laughs) like that, Mr. Like Heisman, like meme guy. But Kevin had him at 26, Brendan 22, Adam 21, Zach 22. I had him lower at 32 because, like, kickers and punters, like, I don't (laughs) – this is fantasy football bias. I I don't consider backup quarterbacks and, like, kickers and punters real people when I do drafts. They're real people, and I'm sure they're wonderful children in real life. That's just – that's my bias from fantasy football. Chris knee 30 Dane at 35, but this is Tate is a wonderful story. He's really grown in this offense. Um, 
but like I said, this is the backup quarterback spot. So what I'm going to ask you guys just quickly, and we'll move on to the next one. Um, let's say Jordan Travis is out for whatever reason, like game one, like if Tate wrote, let's, or let's say Jordan Travis doesn't exist with Tate Rotemaker is the starting quarterback. How much of a, how many win team is Florida state with Tate Rotemaker as a star? The, the first percentage I thought of, like my, my gut reaction was like, I think he's a slightly better than a, you're probably slightly better than a, at the power five level than a coin flip. You're probably like, 55 60% of okay. winning games with him. So like I think if you had like a four game stretch with him as your starter and you went two and two like you'd probably be like oh, that that's reasonable. Although admittedly I've been I've been wrong on Tate Rodemaker before. I was dead wrong about him going into that Louisville game in the second half and I we was all were. crow for that. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us were. We oh, yeah, that. everybody was for sure. Admittedly but, uh, so. But so I, I've learned to like not count out guys, but yeah, I think he he probably is an can get you to be like an average power five quarterback play for an extended period of time right now, based on what we've seen. I think you're fortunate. I think you're fortunate that you have three hard games in the season or, or two hard games and one that's got the potential to be difficult in pit. I mean, I think he can go, I think he could go win you eight games. He'd go win you maybe nine games. The what we've learned doing this is that everything else around him has, has gotten so much better. And we have seen him be able to, to run the RPO game that I think you could go out there with Keon and, and uh, Johnny flanked on, on the outside and go find success mixed in with the run game. And I think your defense could carry in a couple of games this year if you yeah. need them to. I yeah, agree. Yeah, go ahead, Brendan. I think you'd be a winning team with him. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it, with, with him over a long stretch. Your ceiling uh, just comes way down. That's all. Um, yeah, I say I, I expect Florida State this year 10-11, maybe even closer to 11. I don't know, 10-11, and with Tate, it, like starting quarterback the whole year, 7-8. to eight. Yeah, So, I mean, right, that's, seven, which a couple a couple wins, two or three wins is massive, but, I mean, yeah. like – Florida State would have had a pretty solid season with just him, just because his distribution. I, I think he's gotten better as a distributor. Last point I'll make on on Tate, and I you mentioned distributor Trey. Like I think that's a good way to describe like what you would have confidence in. Like wh- where I push back a little bit, like on where you guys have him ranked, is like when you're talking about value. Uh, the fact that you you feel like you can put him in and things wouldn't burn to the ground now after what you've seen with the sample set last year of him improving. Right. Like that big. does yeah. allow you to change the way you approach games yeah. with Jordan Travis. Yeah. Like you don't have to be as cautious. Like although it, things won't necessarily bottom out if you lost J Trav for a game, um, depending on the, the opponent, obviously. Right. So I think uh, there is this inherent level of value that just his presence provides, even if he doesn't have to play. Of just knowing, like, oh, we can win a few games with Tate. Like that—that that mm-hmm. is to me more valuable than what your average backup would be. Oh yeah, Florida State's quarterback room collectively for a team that hasn't really like lit the world on fire recruiting at the position for the past three or four years is one of the best in the country. Like you gotta feel like having that guy as your backup is a really solid option. So props to Tate, Kevin, if you're listening, we love Tate and uh, gotten a lot better since you've been at Florida State. Uh, next one, number twenty-four, the University of Colorado Scobuff transfer, Casey Roddick. We have him at 24 collectively. Kevin has him at 18. Brendan, 25. Adam, 25. Zach, 28. Trey, 21. Chris, 34 at the lowest. And then Dane, 23. I think 
And I, I want you to talk first, Brendan, about what you saw from him in camp. I think it's just, do you think he's going to be one of your starting guards or not? He's a hundred percent going to be in like the, that amalgamous blob of like your top seven offensive linemen, but does he break through and become a starting guard when you start talking about people like Darius Washington, the emergence of bless Harris, who is not on this list. He's higher, like maybe pushing a Rob Scott. Like, and so what do you do with that whole situation? Um, what'd you think about how Roddick came in and um, I'll let Adam talk about like the things that he's excited about him for, but what do you think? Do you think that Roddick positioned himself in the spring to really take a run at one of those starting guard spots? Yeah, I, I think he did. I, I think he was probably the offensive lineman that the coaching staff was most excited about coming in of the, of the transfers. Even Re- more even than, really, more than Byers. Uh, Byers has more upside and like more NFL stuff. But like in terms of like, I think FSU thought they stole one maybe with with Casey Roddick, um, and so there was this excitement level of like they, they got him, they got in on him early. They withstood push from USC and I think Oklahoma late when he started kind of waffling a little bit. And so I feel like they kind of stuck one past the goalie with him. I, I thought at guard, he looked incredibly comfortable. That's his natural position. I thought at center and I'm not speaking out of school here. Like they, they talked about uh, him, him getting some reps at center. Personally, it was not super. Uh, my estimation was it wasn't super encouraging, but sure. snapping the ball is important to me. So you're uh, never going to let that one go. I you get, look at you for keeping that bit going, man. I, I am impressed with that. That's good stuff. Okay. Your, I, I would have bumped him up if he shown the ability to have more position versatility. He, he would have been in the teens for me. But the fact that he looks like he's probably going to slot in, the, in at left guard as a starter is why I've got him at 25. And I think it's a good, just a good spot for him. Solid. Um, Adam, skill set wise, better run blocker or pass blocker? What did you see in the spring game? Um, happy with the t- like Happy with the way he looked? I, I never thought he looked great in the spring from the clips I saw, but I also think it's important to remember that he's learning a new offense. They're putting them in bad positions. He's learning two positions, not just one. So I didn't take, I, I, I didn't want how he looked in the spring to cloud my judgment. Cause I, I do know he's a good football player. I watched enough of his film at Colorado. He's a good run blocker. He's a good pass. I mean, he's just solid. He, he's just solid all around. He doesn't have a lot of weaknesses he can get. I don't think he's got the best foot speed in the world, but it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I just think he's a good football player. It's a grinder, kind of a plotting grinder a little bit, but on a power run team, that would be nice. Florida State, a lot of people don't remember in short yardage situations. We are still getting pushed around quite a bit, particularly on the interior. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Solid. To me, Casey Roddick is... He's solid, right? Solidifies the interior. Can't do a lot like the next guy that we're going to talk about, but like a solid option. And the next guy we are going to talk about is Darius Washington at 23. Kevin had him at 29. Brendan, 23. Adam, 27. Zach, 24. I had him at 22. Chris had him at 23. And I believe Mr. Double D, Dane, had him at 21, highest in the clubhouse. I love the way this kid plays kind of the exact opposite of Casey Roddick, just versatility for days mm-hmm. thrown in the fire as a freshman dealt with a whole rash of injuries has gotten much better throughout his time at Florida state. Well, I don't expect him right now to be in my starting five, uh, no matter where the injury occurs other than center. I think he's your first guy off the bench, which is so invaluable as an offensive lineman. Maybe. Yeah. Or 
We'll see. So, Adam, what what, what do you think? What do you think about it? Because you got him at twenty seven. You got him a little bit lower for me. He's a twenty seven for me because I'm not sold that he's the first off the bench. Because my starting five is probably much different than everybody else's, and I'll probably be wrong about it, but I'm willing to hang out on that limb. What um, is it? Uh, I, I think personally, and oh, I don't want to do depth charts. I don't want anybody to get in trouble. I don't want anybody watching. Oh my god! Okay, it's the, it, 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 there's no practice going on. Let the depth chart. Right, so bless, depth chart. Uh, to me, bless Harris, left to right, bless Harris, um, Casey Roddick, Mo Smith, Demetri Emanuel, and Jeremiah Byers. So to me, Rob Scott is the first man off the bench with mm. Darius after that. Um, but but Darius, like if a center gets hurt, then Darius becomes the guy. But right, guard which is hurt. why which is why I find myself slotting him at twenty seven and not much lower than this. And I just I'm oh look, you're gonna have offensive line injuries if you're the number if you're the second man or the third man off the bench. You're going to be important because you're going to be asked to play. That's just how the, that that's just the nature of the offensive line position. Darius has shown he can play all five spots. He can play all five spots well if he's healthy. He wasn't healthy early last year, but as he got healthier when the season went along and found his confidence, he was he was solid. He's not great. I don't think he's ever going to be great, but he's a solid football player that you can depend on. That's why I've got him at 27. I'm curious about Brendan's 23 ranking, though. Brendan, you spoke really highly of him this spring. I mean, do you think he's starting? I think that, like, I wouldn't dismiss him as not starting. I think a lot of people assume he will be the backup because he can play all those positions well. So there's this, there's this level of value to him being the, the backup. Uh, but I thought he was – bless Harris's ascension in the second half of the spring. Aside, I thought Darius was the second-best offensive lineman in, in the spring, and maybe the most consistent from start to finish. The way okay. he performed, the way he carried himself, I, I really liked it, guys. Like, And, and so, yeah – I mean, I'm pulling up the PFF right now. 82.9, 70.7, 90, 64.6. Those were his last four games of the season. I mean, at playing right tackle. Like, that's that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, so, I do like that this is probably the, the lowest variance that, that we've had as a group, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's very close. Uh, we're all close on him. And I think we all yeah. see him in a very similar prism of, of someone who's valuable to this team, just depending – is he a starter? Is he a sixth man? Even if he's a seventh man, off, you know, the second guy off the bench, still valuable with how much wear and tear there is on the offensive line. Yeah, you talk about a guy that started games at like tackle his true freshman year, and now we're our debate is is he the sixth or seventh or eighth best offensive line? It's crazy. It is crazy, man. Like it's <laughs> times are changing. Just, it really is, and I love it. Um, and as he's gotten better too. Like that's the thing. It's yeah, not like he's yeah, regressed yeah. and you've just out recruited him. It's like. They're developing, they're recruiting, and he's progressing. Like yeah. again, there's a reason why we're all very bullish and excited about what this team can can do in 2023. Firing all cylinders, baby. Mm-hmm. Firing on all cylinders. I love it. Now, number double deuce, Jerry and Jones. Interesting player. Doctor. A guy, yeah, Saint Valentine himself. That's My guy, sit boy. Love him. Anyway, love double J, double J. A guy that has been spoken about extremely highly in practices and springs a lot, has flashed, has the physical characteristics, particularly at nickel, that like people like Greedy Vance doesn't, the length and things of that nature. A guy who in games, due to, I don't know, some injuries, some inconsistency, hasn't shown up all the time, but sometimes he has. 
Uh, and we have him at 22. So I think this is to me, this is it's it's good that he's in this this pack with Greedy Vance, because to me, it's like, who do you think the start nickel is going to be? Do you think it's going to be Jerry Jones? Do you think it's going to be Greedy Vance? Kevin Adam and myself, I believe that we think it's going to be Greedy Vance. Adam has Jerry in at 33. I have him at 29. Kevin has him at 25. I think the guys that are no, to be fair, the guys that are out there all the time, not really pouring over the film as much, but seeing him in person, which is a very valuable factor, and watching him more at practice, maybe seeing more of his potential. They have him higher. Brendan has him at 17. Zach has him at 21. Chris 19 and Dane 20. So this is funny. There's like two little like separate, there's two separate things. Like the X's Mm -hmm. and O's guys have them here and the on field guys have them over there. Who's going to win out. I don't know. Fans keep track. I've got Um, a sneaky suspicion. We all feel very similar about him. I just value like number three, number four corner a little bit lower because of what I think the defensive front is going to be that I couldn't rank him a whole lot higher than this. I maybe probably should have had him at like 30, but I didn't, to me, I couldn't justify him being higher than that just because I think the action these guys are going to see is going to be less. And I think that the ceiling is so high for a Fentrell Cypress and a, um, a, and a, uh, Renardo green. Yeah. But I just could, I couldn't for me justify ranking him a whole lot higher than this. I like him as a football player. It's been incredible to see the redemption story he's kind of had as he was, easily one of the most hated men on this roster i know and he's so nice i really enjoyed that valentine's day episode he's become a good football player and it's nice to see i just couldn't rank him a whole lot higher just because i just didn't value that importance for this year i i think the coaching staff would prefer that he would be the starting nickel but to me it's still and i love the guy to death especially after speaking with him but when he's on the field I get the opposite of the greedy Vance feeling to where there's more, there's more potential, I think for things to go wrong for, I I don't know. I just get more of a feeling of unease now, Brendan, why? I mean, do you, number one, does your ranking of 17, do you think him as the starting nickel? Do you think he's a guy that's going to get also a lot of looks on the outside? What do you see? Because you have seen some very positive things out of him in practice. So give us, give me your assessment of your ranking on him. A, a funny backstory on, on Jari and Jones is going back to spring of 2021, Zach and I were both really high on him. Uh, mm, I remember it, this. You got a lot of crap, brother. It, it, and, and well, because then he did not perform well on the field. Yeah. And then uh, Chris Knee was not there. I think he was in Omaha. Uh-huh. He was not there for the parts of spring that we, Zach and I were like, like he looks good. And Chris, like, I'll believe it when I see it. I believe us, yeah. Okay, so, so that off season happens, and the twenty twenty one season, he he was not very good. He was probably one of the worst cornerbacks in the country. From, from and a, he was hurt, in fairness to him, and he was, yeah. And there's many reasons why. Um, and and then same thing of spring in twenty twenty two. It's like, oh, like there's something here. <laughs> And I just, I couldn't let myself buy into it again when he didn't have a great uh, start of, of preseason camp. So mm-hmm. I kind of, I bought on, I, I sold on it too early, much like when I was into the stonks game uh, during the pandemic, it was not for me. <laughs> the, the market was not great, uh, but the redemption story, as you guys allude to, ended up being fantastic with, with Jarian Jones, his, his passer rating allowed at the end of last season from November on, was 2.8 
Think about how, that. How many games is that sample? Uh, I think four. I forget with because he did not play or did not play a full game against Oklahoma. So I think it was four games. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's impressive. It for the year. And his, the yards per attempt when going after him was 3.3. Uh, and that was in the 91st percentile. And so he's in the 99th percentile, one important category, 91st and another. Uh, that's why I have him in the teens is because there's nothing that I saw at the end of last season and then again in the spring to, to make me move off of him being a starting cornerback. Well, maybe you, you say Fenshaw Cypress and Renardo Green start, that, that's probably pretty likely, uh, but Jaren's going to take starting caliber reps at a really important position. Uh, so whether he's playing outside as your starter, whether he's playing outside as your rotational guy who's getting 30 snaps a game, whether he plays nickel, he will play an incredibly important role in this defense. And at the very worst case will be probably at the fourth highest amount of snaps at cornerback. Uh, there's just a high like floor for him. I think even though the variance of, of play to play Trey, yes, I'm with you. Like there is a little up and down element yeah. that you, you fear of, um, but from just like usage and what he can be, like I think that there's a he's a safe bet to me of, of what he will probably be looked to do. Um, that makes sense. Looked at to do this. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Probably this season, I, I think he'll be a guy who plays a lot. Basically, it was good. I don't. I, I don't disagree with anything you really said there. I mean, I know I have him ranked at 33, and I think people would expect that there would be some disgruntlement or, or an argument or debate. I. It's he's the position still, for you. Still yeah. likely, in my opinion, likely going to be your number three corner, which means he's going to play less reps. And I just don't think teams are going to have a lot of success throwing the football because of how good this front's going to be. So corner for me just gets pushed down a little bit unless you're uh, – I think – I mean, not to get too far ahead, but I think I had Renardo ranked the highest because I just think the highest of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's reasonable. Before we move on to the last guy, before we move on to the last guy, and this is fun because I wish these two guys were here. There's a hell of a variance on this last one. Brandon, what do you think the percent chances of of Jarian locking down one of the starting two outside spots? 45%. 45, almost a coin flip. Who who would he take, in your opinion? Because right now it's it's assumed it'll be Renard and it'll be Fentrell. Who would he supplant? I think he would probably be likely to start over Fentrell Cypress. Unreal. That is interesting with how good he was at Virginia. That'll be fun. Okay. We're going to leave it at that. We're going to leave it at that. We're going to leave it out into the ether and we'll let that storyline develop. And you'll have yeah, to I'm sure everyone's going to handle that, that innocuous <laughs> statement really well. Oh, we're fine. We're an hour in. Nobody. Like, God, actually, no, we're pretty good. You guys are still listening. Anyway, we got the last one on the list. And my God, I wish we could have a skinny little white dude Thunderdome because we have Dimitri Emanuel at 21. <laughs> Because Kevin hey, has him at Kevin has him at eight, and Dane has him at thirty-eight. <laughs> that's hey, a no 30, That's a thirty-point swing. Like this variance popped out at me. I, I can slap both of them. I, 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 well, maybe <laughs> you can if you ever wrong. meet him. Who knows, man? You can do a little <laughs> handicap match on him there, Bone Saw, because <laughs> this is interesting. So we'll, we'll talk about the rest because everybody else was pretty pretty standard on old Big Meech, Larry Hoover. Brandon Adam at 24, Adam Adam at 24, agreement, nice, yes. <laughs> Zach 23, I had him at 19, Chris had him at 17. To me, solid hand. I expect him to be your starting right guard. Got a ton of experience. I think that he's performed pretty darn well, and I think Florida State is ext- is elated to have him back for another year. Um, 
Brendan, I feel like you understand the mind of the wild Draper the best. <laughs> what do you think that that ranking of 38 means? And Kevin, I'll, I mean, Adam, I'll let you <laughs> pretend to be our analytical cohort, uh, Kevin Little. But oh, Draper. Dana, Brendan, put yourself into the mind of a Dane Draper. Boom, Again, boom. before, oh God, that's a scary uh, place. Although I think Dane and I might be like the most like, simpatico in terms of thought process too just in in life in general so i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing it's a wonderful thing you're screwed um (laughs) jesus if i could just real quick before i I jump into the mind of of dirty dane uh, again uh, a reflection on where the roster is going big meach was second team all acc guard last year an offensive lineman was second team all acc Mm -hmm. imagine Three years ago, four, go back to 2018. If I told you, hey, you're going to get this all ACC no, offensive no lineman in the transfer portal, and then he may not start the next year. I love the perspective that you have because it would legit be like if if that was if this was 2021, this dude would legit be top five for all of us. Yeah, 100 percent easily. Absolutely. Oh, I, I think last year without knowing what he was going to be, I had him in the top 15 or so. And that was yeah. him as a a transfer from Charlotte. Just like, yeah, he's probably gonna I, I think offense. I think our <laughs> rankings, Brendan, you, me, uh, Trey, Chris, and Zach, I think our rankings reflect that we think he's a good but not great starter for this football team. That There's, someone can I, beat him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I, and I think the potential exists. I mean, who's to say a Robert Scott doesn't slide inside or a Jeremiah Byers doesn't get knocked off a off the right tackle job, and they they do have a legitimate battle at right guard. Or a Keandre Jones loses a little bit of weight, finds unlocks a little athleticism here in, in the offseason and is able to push. The potential exists there, but I think we're all pretty confident in the steady Eddie hand that is Demetri Emanuel. Yeah. Um, you know, he's gonna be an all-conference caliber player for you. He understands the scheme really well. He's calling Dane. He understands the scheme really, really well. And I just think you can count on him. And I think that that's important. And that's why you can slot him in at this mid at this 21, but we all work on in the, in the mid twenties um, and be comfortable with it. Yeah. And I think too, it's like the, you guys are always talking about maybe next year we'll do it into like a tier system. Yeah. I think this is, this is the guy that's on the fringe of the tier one starters and the tier two, like high caliber backup. So for me at 19, I think he is going to start. Now you start getting funky with moving tackles to the inside and all that other things. This offensive line, man, it's going to be interesting Mm -hmm. and it's going to be good. Interesting. And for years, it's been fiery train wreck with school buses and like uh, puppy vans, uninteresting and terrifying. I wonder if Kev would re-rank this considering he's watching NC state film right now, working on a video of how to beat the FSU offense again. So that will enrage everyone. Um, Is he doing another one? He just keeps yeah. coming back for more. He loves. He loves and, to be the bad and the guy. The last text. The last text we got from Kev was this offensive line sucks. <laughs> I wonder if he would re rank Dimitri Emmanuel after watching a little bit of that film. I hey, love Kevin, hey, but he would be a all Sith. Fan with Dane he, Draper. We've got Dane. Hey Draper. guys, I got. Oh, I got. Go ahead. I, even better than getting the mind of, of Dirty Dane Draper, he's he's whispering from the bathroom because he don't want to wake up his family right now. Uh, but he's going to defend the the 38th ranking of Dimitri Emmanuel real quick. Oh, I cannot so, wait so for Dane, this. Whenever, whenever you're ready, here you go. This is great audio quality and, and great television. Yeah. Um, hopefully I'm not like whispering. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so Dimitri Emmanuel, I think 
so he's a guard. Uh, it's a spot where that's, I think Dimitri especially is like, I guess, replaceable because you have a lot of depth at that spot. I know he's a, had a lot of snaps. Um, he was a poor last year. He's a veteran um, in the offense, but I think he's replaceable because you have a lot of depth and his ceiling isn't what you want uh, for a team that's going to go and win a playoff game. So to me, he's less important than some other guys. Brendan, Brendan, tell him what Kevin ranked him. Oh, do you want to know what Kevin ranked him, Dane? Yeah, I noticed that, dude. He had him like eight or some insane shit. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye, buddy. Oh, I love that. Podcasting. Here we go. Do you want to play a game? Like that was just. I don't. I don't disagree with anything he really said there. I just don't think it reflects thirty-eight. I mean, he basically said he's a. He's got the potential to be a starter. There's some guys that are going to be battling that position, but he's shown he's got a played a ton of snaps and been solid. And he just I don't know. Thirty-eight doesn't seem to reflect the words that he kind of gave. Yeah, probably to me, it probably, I think it more uh, reflects his positional value of like a yeah. starting, a start, like a second string guard. He sees him as sure like a second string, string guard. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, I'm sure you were sick to your stomach hearing him talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, man, a lot of NFL teams don't value interior linemen as much. So I get it. But man, we're going to, next time we have those two on, they can talk a little, little, little dirty, a little dirty trucker mouth, Mr. Draper. Everybody thinks it's always going to be me. It's going to slip up with the language. Not so, my friends. But one thing I can tell you, one thing we didn't slip up on. Another sparkling edition of FSU's 40 most important players. That was 21 to 30. We'll just read them off again. 30, Dennis Briggs. 29, Kyle Morlock. 28, Lawrence Toafili. 27, Greedy Vance. JR. 26, Gilbert Edmond. 25, Tate Rodemaker, 24, Casey Roddick, 23, Darius Washington, 22, Double J, Jarian Jones, 21, Kev's favorite, Big Meech, Larry Hoover, Dimitri Emmanuel. Guys, thank you. We will be back. We're only halfway there, and we cannot wait to get to the top because there's some talent on this roster, and I cannot wait to talk about it, especially if the variances are wild, the arguments were fast and furious, and the conversation was rich and sumptuous.